How is everybody? So uh, it's been a pretty good week for me. Been a pretty active, busy week as always. I was hoping things would kind of slow down for me a little bit, but uh, anyway, it's it's always nice when good things when good things are happening. And uh, so I want to talk to you guys in this video about uh, what is known in the spiritual community as the law of attraction. What I knew for years in my Christian walk as Faith, walking by faith or activating or working of faith. Now, you guys have heard me say this before. If you've watched my videos at any time, I no longer identify myself as a Christian person. I don't identify with that movement. There's so much about uh, the Christian church, just that whole thing that I don't want to identify with and that we've talked about a lot, which, by the way, if you haven't had a chance to watch Freeology Friday that Derek Day and I did. If you scroll down on my page a little bit, you'll find it. I thought it was one of our best talks about this topic of religion and Christian deconstruction. We just kind of take Christian deconstruction and set it on its, turn it on its head in a really, I think, very powerful, very positive way. So if you're going through any kind of a crisis of faith, if you're going in through any kind of a deconstruction yourself, I would highly encourage you to take some time to check out that video that Derek Day and I did last Friday for Priology Friday, because I think it will really bless you and really help you. Now, part of my issue with this whole process, because I've I've walked this process myself and I've watched uh, other people walk through this process, and... One, two, two of my issues, one is I couldn't give up my faith in God because I'd seen so many things. I'd seen God intervene and bless our lives in undeniable ways, ways that could not be explained just by uh, coincidence and things like that. And so, and, and through this whole thing, through this whole process, even through the, the painful parts of it, even through being misunderstood, uh, misrepresented by other people, um and then going through this crazy 2020 year with the pandemic and the political divides. And, oh, my God, wasn't 2020 just insane? Aren't you glad we're past that? And I was very vocal in sharing my thoughts and ideas through all of that. And so invariably, you know, I just tell people I'm an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> so I know, you know, I upset somebody along the way. And I so appreciate those of you that have uh stuck it out with me and that are still watching and still staying connected, still encouraging me, because I really do believe uh, that uh, it's important that we're able to share things and share new ideas. And one of the things we did in that Freeology Friday broadcast was we talked about how I introduced a new idea to Derek that had been introduced to me. And as we were talking, it just shifted our way of thinking um, tremendously. And so one of the things that I like to do is is challenge thinking, but I also like to have my thinking challenged and watch it shift. But through all that stuff, through all the misunderstanding, through all the, the, the confusion, through all the what now, through did I waste my life, was through healing from the trauma, through the bitterness, through, through the attacks, through all that stuff, uh, I can honestly say that I never once felt like I lost my connection or my relationship with God. Uh, I, I never lost that sense of connection with eternity, with, with, uh, so, so I am just convinced that our creator, and, you know, it's funny how we try to come up with different words. We try to come up with different words to describe the divine because we get stuck, I think, with our old language. But I always felt connected to something bigger than myself. I know we say that I am God, that I am source, you know, or connected to source, and that what comes into my life, you know, I manifest. That's really big in the law of attraction community. There are some people, I think, that are still responding from bitterness and pain and hurt and trauma and loss and still trying to find their way and still trying to figure this out. They just want absolutely nothing to do with anything remotely like their former faith. So they, uh, 
they're still working that stuff out. And I see it on Facebook, and that's fine because I did the same thing. But I really am coming more and more to the place where I'm very, very grateful for my past, and I'm finding ways to integrate the things from my past, take the good that was there, right, and bring it with me rather than I'm going to say it like this, and I was critical of this when I was going through part of my process, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's tough with those metaphors because what I say the baby is may be totally different than what you say the baby is. But but for me, throwing the baby out with the bathwater is the good with the negative, the positive, the helpful, the resourceful, um, what worked for me and what I can keep and what is still working for me in my life. And one of those things is faith. And so I want to talk about faith and prayer. And in order to do that, I want to go back to many, 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 many years ago. We, I mean, for years, almost our entire ministry, when people would come in and they would start listening to the teaching that we were doing and seeing the power that we were demonstrating, seeing the results that we were getting, because we were getting results on a very consistent basis. And so they would come in sometimes and see things they'd never seen before. People who didn't believe in miracles and didn't believe in healings would uh, would get healed. Not just see it happen and, and have to take somebody else's word for it, but experience it for themselves. Or get some other kind of freedom or some other kind of healing. If it wasn't a physical healing, an emotional healing. Or um, just we, we it was just we had a tremendous time. But people that would sit and listen to me teach and talk, they didn't know how to pray. They, they would come up to me. That's the almost the number one complaint that I got. I've been coming here for six months. I've been coming here for a year, and I don't know how to pray anymore. And I would usually try to respond with this question. Well, was prayer really the way – was prayer the way you were doing it? Was it really working for you? And more often than not, a person can point to maybe some random coincidences or synchronicities and think, well, that's probably, you know, this was an answer to prayer. But listen, there are coincidences and synchronicities that have nothing to do with cause and effect. So, you know, you can look at it this way. A dead clock is right twice a day and a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, right? Because most people pray in Christianity from a sense of separation from God Excuse me, a sense of separation from God, and they pray from a sense of weakness and a sense of powerlessness. They pray from a, a place of maybe not knowing what the will of God is. They're praying to a power source outside themselves. And listen, sometimes we need to do that. I mean, I'm thankful that I can still pray because there are just situations at times that I don't know what to do with. I don't feel like I have the answers for it. I don't have, I know I don't have the internal resources to deal with it. Um, and you know, sometimes it just depends on every situation and the emotional loading, the emotional load that you carry in that situation. So if you've got a loved one, someone that's very close to you that's sick, or you get a cancer diagnosis, or you're talking about systemic racism, or poverty in the world, or world hunger, or a pandemic, something that is just bigger than you. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? And so I, 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 thankful that I know, I don't just believe, I know that there is a God that is full of love and grace and mercy and compassion that is out there listening. Now, I know the counter argument to that is, well, we've been praying forever for, you know, things to change and things haven't changed yet. If God was so loving, God would do something about, you know, war and famine and hunger and systemic racism and oppression and all that stuff. And I understand those arguments. I understand those arguments. And I don't have a solid answer for why the world isn't perfect. <laughs> but I do believe that this physical dimension that we live in is a place for us to grow, a place for us to expand, and a place for us to grow into our own fullness and maturity as 
aspects of the divine as sons and daughters of God, if you will. And I don't think that growth can happen without challenges, pressures, injustices, etc. Now, that may sound like a crappy answer to somebody who's in a war-torn country or who can't feed their children. And I totally get that. I totally understand that. So I'm not pretending to have all the answers to evil and problems in the world, right? But I'm just saying for me personally, I, 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 I just have an intuitive, strong belief of faith that there is a God out there that we can pray to who is listening. Now, having said that, I will also acknowledge <laughs> that most of the time, those kinds of prayers in our, especially in our personal life, we don't see results. We don't see results. And so then on the flip side of this, you come into the law of attraction. You come into this idea that you are connected to source energy, which I do believe. You come into this idea that you're creating your own reality, which I don't believe. I think we are co-creating and that we can influence our reality, but I don't think we create our own reality completely. But that's kind of the law of attraction, crowd, right? And so you're doing it all yourself. So you visualize, you feel it. The feeling is the secret. You imagine it. You set your intention, and then you will attract it into your life. And I believe a lot of those things as well. So for me, it's not either or. It's not either I'm praying to God, and God answers a prayer, or I'm using the law of attraction. For me, it's it's kind of and both. And so there are times when I know I don't have the internal resources of faith. I, I just know internally I cannot use faith or use the law of attraction believing that I have received it, imagining this uh, occurring, and those kinds of things. It's just the resources just aren't there. <laughs> Within me. So in those situations, then I will pray to God. I will pray to source. I will put it out to the universe. Whatever language you want to use, I will give it to my higher power if you're, if you're into that kind of language. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just grateful that I can do that. Okay. Enough said about that. Let's come back and let's talk about then What's this other side to it? What's this side of working faith and the law of attraction? And how does it work? And why does it work sometimes? And why doesn't it work at other times? Part of the reason that Christians don't get results when they pray (laughs) is because they don't listen to what Jesus taught about prayer. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Ask and it shall be given unto you. And then he says, When you pray, don't pray like the heathen pray who thinks that they will be heard because of their multitude of words. And so that described just about every Christian prayer meeting, and especially, my God, I I don't know how many of you can remember the 1990s and the intercessory prayer movement and the spiritual mapping movement and the citywide prayer and citywide intercession and prayer conferences and intercession conferences and I mean, that was exact. We were doing exactly what Jesus said. You know, we're just going around. Oh, God, please, you know, send revival, send a great outpouring, Lord. You know, you know, uh, touch their hearts. Uh, save my old ugly Uncle Fred, Lord. Uh, just <laughs> and we would tie the devil up every week. How many of you remember that? We would tie the devil up every week. Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You know, I bind the spirit of alcoholism over this city. I bind the spirit of, of witchcraft over this city. I, you know, whatever we were doing and binding meant to, to restrict the power of. And then we would come back together the next week and we'd have to do it again. And, and at the end of the day, we didn't see massive scale revival in our nation. Uh, you know, I, I mean, gosh, I do, I still drive by. Uh, I mean, I just wonder at what point do we not realize that if we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and not getting results that we think, well, hey, maybe we need to change something here. <laughs> and so so I think I've been blessed because I've been results oriented in my life. But you drive by, especially during election 
and, and I, I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, but you see these signs in the yards that have that Second Chronicles scripture. I can't remember it now, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Anybody know that scripture? I think I quoted it perfectly from memory because that was the whole basis for let's get together and pray. Let's let's bring revival. Let's bring and especially if you were Pentecostal, right? Let's bring the glory down. We're just going to hold on the horns of the altar. We're just going to weep before the Lord. We're just going to cry out for souls tonight. And it never comes. It never comes. And so then somehow it's our fault because we're not praying enough or we're not sincere enough or we're not repenting enough or we're not doing enough, right? And so you get stuck on this, just this treadmill of praying and fasting and crying and repenting and, oh, my God, and the whole thing is just gross and it's just low energy and low vibration and all this stuff. And nowhere in the Bible are you ever, I mean, yeah, okay, the Second Chronicles scripture there. But that was written to Israel when Solomon dedicated the temple. And we don't need to go into all that. But Jesus said something else. Jesus said, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, have faith in God. Or the original Greek language actually says, have the faith that comes from God. Have the faith of God. The faith of God, this 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 force of faith that, that they used to call it the faith movement is inside of you. This spiritual force called faith is inside you. Mark eleven twenty two. That's what he says. And then he says, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. And then he says, Therefore, and this is key, therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you have received it, and you will have it. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe when you pray, believe that you have received it, and you shall have it. Um, so that, that gets us the, the faith part of it. Now, just, just hold on to that for a minute. So Jesus is saying, you speak to the mountain. Here's the point I want to make. He doesn't say, if you speak to God, God will move from the mountain. He didn't say if you put your faith in God, God will move the mountain. What what Jesus was literally teaching was that God will put. Now, I'm using the old paradigm here, granted, but bear with me. What he's saying is that God will put his faith into you. Source will put the faith that source has, the faith that God has into you. It's not you trying to believe. It's not you intellectually trying to convince yourself that something's going to happen in the future that's going to be good for you. And that's believing and trusting God. That's you working up faith in your own resources and then placing it on high, right? Jesus is saying something totally different. He's saying God will plant God's faith inside of you and then you will do you will become the cause. You will become the agent of change that moves the mountain. You won't pray to God and God will speak to the mountain. He says God will put God's faith in you and then you as God in the earth will speak to the mountain. And if you speak to the mountain without doubt in your heart and believe that what you have has already come to pass, then the mountain will move. Or if you believe that what you uh, prayed for you already have, then you shall have it. So Jesus is putting the cause and effect with something that we're doing. But the, the burden of uh, change or whatever, if you will, I don't, I don't like how I said that, but just trying to get this out the best way I can. On the responsibility and the power and the ability, that's the key, on our shoulders. So we're not at the mercy of whatever it is that Sky God, as we call Sky God, right, wants to do for us. That's the first thing. So now let's come and talk about the, the law of attraction. <laughs> so the the way I have heard the law of attraction taught in the spiritual new age metaphysical community uh, is really similar to this in the sense that the feeling is a secret. Feel like you already have it. 
believe that you already have it, imagine and visualize that you already have it, uh, and you will attract and you will draw that stuff to you. So there is that component there to it. But the other part about this is that whatever you're putting out into the field, into the quantum field, you are drawing back to yourself. Now, Jesus does kind of say this also in Luke chapter 6, verse like 38 or 36, 37, 38, somewhere around there. He says, uh, don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Men will give into your bosom, right? For with the measure you use will be measured back to you. So in other words, what you're putting out into the world is going to come back to you. Now, I would suggest that Jesus in that passage is not talking about a quantum field that you're putting energy and vibration out into. I think he's talking more about just people skills there. That if you're harsh and judgmental with people, they're going to respond with harshness and judgment to you. If you're forgiving, they're going to be more likely to be forgiving to you. If you give to them and you're generous to them, then other people are going to be generous to you. I think he's talking about how we relate to people there. I don't think he's talking about how we relate to the quantum field. But in the New Age movement, metaphysical movement, they would say it's how you relate to the quantum field. And what is the vibration that you're putting out there? And whatever you're putting out there, or I'm sorry, is, is yeah, whatever you're putting out there, you're going to draw back to yourself. And then they'll say, in fact, whatever you're experiencing right now is a mirror to show to you what you have been putting out into the universe or what you've been putting out into the quantum field that you are not familiar with. Now we're getting into the same damn problem that we had in religion. (laughs) I am just super, super sensitive to especially Johnny-come-lately gurus. And by Johnny-come-lately, I don't mean you're just new, you've been doing this a couple years. I mean that that we are teaching stuff that hasn't necessarily been proven over the span of a lifetime. So I do believe there's value. And by the way, I'm, I'm teaching the class this Wednesday on metaphysical mysteries where we're going to talk about the primordial wisdom, the, the ancient and holy wisdom, elements of all of the spiritual teachings that seem to be similar and discover, we're going to talk about uh, ancient origins of humanity and discover how there really appears to be more and more mounting evidence that there was a primordial wisdom that goes back even before the Egyptians. Um, and so th- that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I- I'm talking about like we are such a, so here's what I mean. Something that's been proven down through the ages, right? or something that's been proven over a lifetime, or something that's been proven in a culture. Like, I'm not going to go back to Hinduism, because go to India. Just just go visit it. (laughs) Like, if Hinduism works so great. All right, enough said about that. Well, I'm I'm sketchy, because, see, I want to be results-oriented. And I want to look at at fruit. And so much of what we do in America is we just, we put, we, we have learned as Americans above all else, the one thing that we do really, really well, it's an American tradition. It, maybe it's a Western tradition. Maybe those of you that are from uh, Europe and the UK and stuff, you can help me with this. But we put a veneer on things. We put a shine on things. And we want to look at, and we want, we want things fast, and we want them simple, and we want them easy. And we don't want to deal with pain, and we don't want to deal with grief, and we don't want to deal with, with social injustices. We don't want to deal with the really hard issues. And so it's very easy to put on this veneer and put on a spiritual bypass. Really put up a spiritual bypass. And this is what has caused me to lose more viewers and more followers than anything else is because I'm the guy that for whatever reason feels compelled to come along and let's strip back some of this veneer. Because here's what I'm talking about. So much of what's out there, like if they're telling you you're drawing and attracting stuff to you and whatever happens in your life is the result of the vibration that you're putting out or you chose it before you came here. Most of the people that are saying that have not been through really extremely painful hardship. Now, some of them have, and that's how they've been able to make sense of it. But a lot of the people that I know, 
that are saying that stuff haven't really been through much. And I'm talking about like, like, so I'm going, and see, I'm a counselor, so I'm sensitive to people's hurts and pains. Like, I'm not going to tell the girl that, uh, was, whose, whose father was repeatedly sexually abusing her while she was growing up, that she chose that before she came to planet Earth. Or I'm not going to tell somebody that, uh, that has gone through complex Trauma, which means trauma over and over and over again, bullying over and over again. I'm not going to tell someone who was a victim of some kind of a systemic racism or systemic injustice that they chose what other people were choosing to do to them. It, it was, I'm going to tell you that the, the law of attraction community, in some regards, other spiritual teachings that are being put out there are traumatic for people who have been traumatized because we are absolutely victim blaming and, and we are not putting responsibility in the right place. Well, and so that's why I'm passionate about that because listen, some people, I mean, if you've got the ego strength and the sense of self to endure hardships and take responsibility even for what other people have done to you and be okay with it, good for you. And if that works for you and helps you make sense, good for you. But I just want you to know you think you're helping, but you don't see the other side of it. And this is why I think if we're going to be teaching people how to live, then we need to be down where people are living, who are applying what we're teaching. Why I didn't believe in itinerant ministry or traveling around evangelist. It's one of the reasons I'm hesitant to put stuff out on YouTube and haven't for the last year, because I don't want to put something out that I have not proven out. Because when we tell people, whatever you're experiencing, it's a mirror of whatever you're putting out there. There are some people who their psyche and sense of self is so broken. It is so fractured. They are so traumatized. And they have such a shame-based identity that when they hear that, you are doing them damage. You are not helping. You are not healing. I don't care how positive your vibration is or how sure you are about it or what higher dimensional entity channeled the information to you. Get down where people live and understand that 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 a lot of what's in the spiritual community is victim blaming. And that's why it doesn't work for people. Because if you've got a fairly secure sense of self, you grew up in a home where you weren't molested on a weekly basis. You grew up in a home where your mom and dad basically loved you. You grew up in a privileged setting. Don't talk to me about suffering and don't talk to people about suffering. Unless you really, 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 really know what you're doing and what you're talking about. And there are some guys out there, friends of mine, they're doing a great job. I'm not talking about them. I'm just saying, like, some of the commercialized stuff that we see that's out there or some of the posts that I see. Uh, yeah, Anna, definitely not all of us. I'm, I'm talking about mistakes that we make in the law of attraction and why it doesn't work. And this is something I'm just so passionate about because, again, if you're not down in the trenches with people to see if it's working and to see how it's applying, if the application of it is working in their lives, then at best all you're doing is giving them another religious lie to, to, to live. So here's my point with that. In order for this to work, you have to have a sense of power. You have to have a sense of wholeness. You have to have a sense of what I would call a strong ego, a strong sense of self. And guys, not everybody has that. There are people who automatically blame themselves for everything. And especially people that have been victimized by other human beings have a tendency to blame themselves because anyone that's ever been in an abusive relationship knows that the abuser always blames the abused. Typical example, wife with the abusive husband, the wife 
I don't know, didn't cook the meal right or, or somebody looked at her, some guy looked at her, uh, with, you know, ogled her with their eyes and, you know, we went out, too many guys were looking at you, you dress like a slut and the next thing you know, he's, he's beating her up and smacking her around and then maybe even says, see what you made me do. But it's always the, the abuser always puts the cause and effect on the abused person. So that the abused person is always the cause. So then the way they begin to relate to life through this sort of brainwashed lens is they begin to see everything bad that happens in life, every negative conflict in every relationship is their fault. And so if we tell people that you're attracting whatever you're putting out there, you're attracting and bringing back to you whatever bad things that are coming, um, then, number one, we're victim blaming and victim shaming. Number two, we're reinforcing frames that's not going to help them to live the law of attraction or live by faith. And there was a third one there, but I lost it. (laughs) So please just hear to understand my passion here. Hear and understand my passion. Uh, I'm not trying. Oh, somebody's saying the sound has dropped off. I'll wait just a second. I don't want to keep going if the sound has dropped off. My goodness. Because there's a little bit of a delay on Zoom. Anybody else having problems? Oh, Tom said he fixed it. Okay, cool. So, so, th- th- so we don't want to be doing that. We don't want to be victim blaming and victim shaming and, and all that stuff because that's not going to be helpful. The second thing that we're doing, and that's spiritual bypassing, by the way. We want to just pretend there's no problems out there. We want to pretend there's no injustices, there's no harm, whatever. That's So we're spiritual bypassing. And then, the, uh, <laughs> see, I forgot it again, the third thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, the third thing that we're doing is we're moralizing. We're moralizing emotional experience. We're dehumanizing again. It's it's religion all over again. It's dehumanization all over again. And here's what I mean. The expectation that we keep our vibrations high all the time, that we are operating in what we call love, which is just gooey feelings towards other people all the time, and this idea that we're just putting out light and joy and all that stuff all the time. It's not reality. It's it's dehumanizing. And so what they would say is if you get angry, if you express anger, you're putting it out in the field and it's going to come back to you in the form of anger. If you express depression and negativity and grief, then you're going to be attracting negativity and grief and stuff back to you. You guys get it. But if you keep your vibration high, then you're going to be attracting stuff to you. That's not reality. That's dehumanizing of human experience. If that can be you, great. But I would reckon that you're probably deceiving yourself, that you are just back into a religious mode of hiding yourself from yourself. Now, I don't know you. I'm not speaking to anybody in in particular. I'm just saying I see this all over the place. Uh, that we have to be this thing <laughs> that is not human. And I, I just, I don't want you to fall for it because remember I was talking earlier about that perennial wisdom or the, the primordial wisdom. So one of the teachings is that creation comes down in various Phases. So the law of attraction works at various different levels. It's not that simplistic. It works at various different levels. There is the level of action and the level of formation above the level of action. So here's what I mean. There's thought and feeling and emotion and imagination that exists in the mental realm that absolutely impacts and influences 
what's going on in the physical realm or in the realm of action. But it cannot be activated. It cannot be manifested in this physical realm without action and without grounding it. So that the way they see it is whatever vibration you're putting out that is not finding corresponding action or corresponding grounding in the physical world or the world of action, it is going into a storehouse of collective consciousness. Now, I'll explain this, how this works a little bit in a minute. So this is what this is saying. This is saying that whatever you're putting out mentally and emotionally, that you're not working out. Whatever you're storing and holding on to, whatever repetitive pattern that at an emotional and mental level, you are not activating or releasing or processing or working out in some practical way in the physical realm, is going into a collective, energetic, conscious storehouse that then is influencing the collective mind of humanity. So in other words, here's what they would say. If you have an angry, hateful thought, and you do not find a way to express that or release that thought into this world, Now, be careful. They're not saying you do it directed at the person that you're mad at. They're just saying if you don't find a way to express it in the world of action, then that energy of hate, that energy of anger, goes into a sort of storehouse that then can energize someone else who is willing to express it. So here's my point. So so if we can't feel angry, if we can't feel hate at times, if we can't and we can't express it and put it out, we can't let our emotions just flow through us like children do, then according to this teaching, what we're doing is we are energizing those We are sending those energies and those forces into a collective place of human consciousness that then allows someone else to express it according to their will. So let me do it this way. And this is a hyper example. This is an extreme example, but I want you to understand. Let's say you've been harboring bitterness and anger towards your abusive spouse, your narcissistic abusive spouse for years, and you haven't dealt with it, you haven't processed it, you haven't properly expressed it. It's just built up so that you're vibrating and putting that out there. What the older wisdom teachings would say is not that you are necessarily going to attract that kind of energy back into your life. They're not saying that at all. What they're saying is that you are, that that is then going into this storehouse that in the Kabbalistic teaching is called the Klipoth. And then somebody gets energized to do a mass shooting. Well, what they would say, they would look at that and say, and again, I'm using a hyper example to make the point. They would say that mass shooting happened not because of that person's own energy to do it, but because there wasn't, they were drawing from the klepoth, from that energetic system in order to do that heinous crime. So it isn't that you're just putting this stuff out there and it's coming back to you. It's that potentially you're creating a storehouse that is energizing Evil. Now, the flip side of that can also be true. And so this is another reason that you had, that you had monks or you had hermits or you had people that would go off by themselves. 
because what they believed that they were doing, now whether or not this is all true, I'm just giving you the model for it. I'm giving you a different way to look at it. By sending love, and this is this is Tibetan Buddhism, at least as far as I understand it. When I'm sending loving thoughts and loving vibrations out to the world, I'm doing the same thing that I'm not expressing here on to someone else. So in other words, if I have a loving thought and feeling towards my son and I give him a great big hug, then I've expressed that energy and it's been released. So what they would say is as you put send out compassion, as you send out love, that you are building something in the collective consciousness that allows you I'm sorry, that, that, that then energizes and changes humanity. So the, so the greatest act you could do according to this paradigm is building the resource in the collective consciousness with compassion and love and joy and things like that. So it's not attracting stuff back to you necessarily. Now in the faith movement, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking at things that don't work. Like things that we make and why faith and why the law of attraction doesn't work. So blaming ourselves for all the bad stuff that's happening to us or thinking I can't think a bad thought or have a bad vibration and I certainly can't express it is somehow going to cause something negative to happen in your life. What according to the, this paradigm, if you have those hateful negative thoughts, if you write them down, if you go throw rocks, if you go give it to the earth. And by that, I mean, you do some good grounding. You go to therapy, whatever, you talk to a friend, you post how pissed off you are on Facebook, whatever. You're giving expression to that stuff, and it's not, it's, it's, it's done, it's over. It's not going to store something. So if that other perspective, older perspective, more proven perspective is true, then by playing this kind of hide-and-go-seek with your own emotions in the name of false spirituality, is actually doing more damage spiritually to the world than it is help. Okay. So the other mistake <clears throat> that we make, and we did this in the faith movement, was thinking that if we say it, it's going to happen. <laughs> like, in everything that I can find, there has to be intention. So if I say, man, if, if somebody's making me laugh and I say, stop it, stop it, stop it, you're killing me. And we used to say in the hyper-faith movement, you can't, ah, brother, you ought not say that. Or, man, I just look at this stuff and it just makes me sick. Ah, don't talk about sickness. As though the words themselves had some kind of magical power, which I'm going to challenge that thinking in a second. Um, No. (laughs) That's just another way of being in bondage and being dehumanized. The key is intention. Jesus, even Jesus in John 15, 7, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. You will ask what you have intention to have. And it'll be done for you. So. One of the foundational parts of making it work for you is a solid intention. I intend for this to happen. That prevents cosmic accidents from happening. (laughs) Could you imagine if our words really had that much power? Oh, that just scared me to death. (laughs) No, words are just words. They're just containers, whatever. They're just ways for us to express ourselves. They're just symbols and sounds. So there has to be the power of intention behind something. You gotta want it. You gotta, and and so you gotta know what you desire. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, right? So you gotta know what you desire. And you gotta ask yourself, not is this desire good or evil? Not is this desire high vibration or low vibration. That's just good and evil using different terminology. But what you need to do is how authentic, how authentic is this desire? Is this desire coming from deep within your soul? Is this something you really want for yourself? That's the first thing. Then. The second part of this is believing that you've received it. So you can do this. This is where magic operates on these same principles. And this is where some magical paths 
are more helpful and more successful than just prayer because it allows you to set up a ritual. Um, so where you set aside time and space, a moment in time and space where you are going to act, you're going to do, you're going to do everything that's necessary to do what we used to do in the faith movement called releasing your faith, or we might call in the spiritual community releasing your intention, or let's say it this way, because a lot of people use this language, putting it out to the universe. Putting it out to the universe. So this is where ritual can be really helpful. Or what some people might call spells could be really helpful. Just upset any remnant of the Christian audience that I have. But here's what I mean. You set aside time and space with your specific purpose and goal is to set your intention. Imagine that you have received it. Get the feeling that it's already done. Make your faith declaration, ground it in the world of action, or the physical, and then be done with it. And I'm going to get to the biggest mistake that people make and why the law of attraction doesn't work and how it can, even if you don't do all these things right. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that you want health for yourself or for a loved one. So what you might do is you might... Set up a ritual where you get symbols of health and well-being. Whatever speaks to you about health and well-being. Got it? So that could be whatever. So you can look if you're into... You know, one of the things, great things about magical traditions, I'm thinking of Wicca, I'm thinking of even ritual magic, is they have tables of correspondences. So let's say that there are certain herbs that correspond with health. There are certain fragrances and incense that corresponds with health, certain colors. So you're going to build this up with as much intention as you can. If you're a Christian, certain scriptures about healing. So you're going to get those things out and you're going to make that part of your ritual for releasing this stuff. So you find an incense that corresponds to, and you, there's no, you make your own thing because it's got to be powerful for you. So let's say frankincense corresponds in your thinking and feeling the smell of frankincense with healing or perhaps something nature. So maybe it is cedar wood. Maybe it is pine. Maybe you want to just bring in flowers and the fragrances of flowers uh, represents that for you. So you're going to get the fragrant representation. Let's say the color yellow for you because of the sun and the healing rays of the sun. So the color yellow for you corresponds. So you're going to put some yellow Put a yellow tablecloth, maybe on an altar. You're going to wear yellow clothing. So that you're doing everything you can to align with this energy of health and healing for yourself or your loved one. And then you're going to come and you're going to put yourself into a meditative state. This is just one way to do it. You're going to put yourself into a meditative state and you're going to imagine a future where you're healthy. Or you're going to imagine a future where you're significant other, whoever you're doing this for, is healthy. Or you're going to see healing like rays of light flowing from the source into your body or flowing from the source into the person that you are doing this for or flowing from you and from your heart into them. Then you're going to get some kind of a picture of them being well, And then here's the key. You've got to get the heartfelt feeling that it's happened. So you're going to ask yourself, what is this going to feel like when this actually becomes a reality? What am I going to feel? Am I going to feel relieved? Am I going to feel peaceful? Am I going to feel happy? 
And you are going to create that feeling within yourself as much as you possibly can in that moment. So you're going to see it as done. You're going to feel it as done. You're going to experience it as done. Now, again, all this is still happening on the mental plane. So now you need to do something to release it into the world of action or to ground it into the earth. And so this is where sigils, if you've studied magic, this is where sigils come in. In candle magic, they're going to ground it into the candle. Um, talismans, they're going to ground it into a talisman or an object or something like this. But you've got to get it grounded in the physical world in some way. Give you an example how I did this for a friend who uh family was experiencing COVID. I had this energy. I had this feeling. I knew the healing energy was there. I needed to ground it and get it to the person. So I went to their Facebook page, and I literally, on my device, laid my hand on the Facebook page and spoke words that that energy was going into that Facebook page. Then I asked my friend, I said, okay, open the Facebook page as a point of contact. And when she did that, she could feel the healing energy coming. I believe her son uh, got started to get better that night or something or shortly thereafter, and she didn't have any more symptoms after that. So I hope that makes sense to you. Now, here's where we mess it up. We make it a faith project or a law of attraction project after that. In other words, we try to stay in faith that we have it. Remember those days? I'm going to believe God for $1,000 or $10,000, or I'm going to attract $10,000 by thinking about it every day and believing that I have it. So we turn it into a faith project. Rather than a moment in time, like through a ritual, so you set up this ritual, you go through all the steps, you do it, and then at that moment, at that moment in the ritual, at that moment, you release it out and you let it go. You don't meditate on it anymore. You don't think about it anymore. You don't worry about it anymore. You draw a picture of it in a sigil and you let it go. You ground it in an object and you let it go. You speak it out as a declaration and you let it go. And then the next thing you have to do is you just trust. You just completely let it go. You completely let go attachment. You completely let go attachment to an outcome. Because your subconscious mind, any worry, any thought about it, and this is where trusting, this is where the trusting God or trusting the universe or trusting the quantum field or however you want to do it, you trust. That if it's to your highest good, you trust that if it's uh, meant to be, and I don't mean this in a sort of, you know, case of Ross, Ross sort of thing, but you just, you just let it go. You just trust. You just allow it to come to you. And so here's the biggest mistake that people make with faith or law of attraction. I'll get to it right here. They try to force it. They try to force it. Anytime you try to force something, you're going to make a mistake. If you're trying to force something in a relationship, you're trying to force something to happen. You try to force it. I try to force something in a relationship. I try to force money to come to me. I try to force the promotion. I try to force the healing. I try to force people to believe what, you know, I try to force the money to come. There is a universe of difference. There is an abyss of difference between Forcing something to happen, making something. That's what I want to look for. There's a world of difference between making something happen or allowing something to happen, letting something happen. World of difference between making it happen and letting it happen. And so you have to carry it very lightly. So so in other words, you, you kind of know a ritual, if you will, has been successful. When you walk out of it with lightness, you're just like, and then you just let it go, and you watch, and you just let it come to you. See, if you're actually attracting it to you, you don't have to go out and get it. You don't have to go out and make it happen. If you're actually attracting it to you, you're letting it happen. You're letting it come to you. But when it comes to you, you act on it. This is the important part. 
when it comes to you, when there's the synchronicity, you act on it. So timing is very important. Did we get out of step with things because we feel like we should be further along? We get impatient. We think it should have happened by now. If it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. We think if we do more ritual or we give more energy to it that we're going to make it happen. When the reality is sometimes the timing just isn't right. And if we force it, it's not going to, things are not going to work out. We may get initial results, but the end thereof is going to leave us dissatisfied. The end thereof is going to leave, leave us empty. The end thereof is going to be strife and turmoil. <clears throat> Does that make sense? So when you let it happen, when you let it come to you, then you just know, just know the synchronicities, the things start falling into place. Things start lining up and there is grace and there is ease to it and it just comes to you. So here's my advice to you. If there's something that you really want, a change you're looking at, if you're getting pressure from the outside to do something but it doesn't feel right to you on the inside, it doesn't feel like the right timing, you've got some kind of a block, you've got some kind of a check inside of you, listen to those things. If you're feeling driven by an unmet need, I have to have this. I have to have this now. Ask yourself, what, why am I so driven? Why do I need to have it now? Maybe I'm meant to learn to live in the moment right now. So, like, if you're really sick or you've got a loved one that's really sick, then I get the wanting to have it now. But, again, what's driving that? Is it is it a fear of death? Is it a denial of hardship and sickness and disease? Are, are you in a lesson where you need to learn to live in the moment, where you need to learn to love and embrace even the hard moments in life, where you need to learn how to show up for every moment in your life? Is there something, if it's for a loved one, is there something in their karma, meaning from past lives or in their soul's journey that they said, I need to learn this lesson in this life. And we need to allow them to be able to do that. Um, is it just fear that's driving that? Like you ask yourselves those questions. Why do I need to? And then you're back to doing shadow work, right? Then you're back to doing shadow work and really growing and changing, transforming yourself. But sometimes it's just you've been taught you got to do it. You've been you taught you got to go after it. You think if you don't give more energy to it, it's not going to happen. So so you got to let the synchronicities happen. You got to let the stuff come to you, right? Because a lot of what we use the law of attraction for doesn't have anything to do with healing or sickness. A lot of it has to do with opportunity, money, things that improve our lives up here, right? Relationships. So you let that stuff come to you. But when it comes to you, you have to seize it in the moment. If, if you are afraid to let go of what was and you don't take advantage of it. You missed it. So I had a friend that told me this, and I firmly believe this. You have to seize the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of the opportunity. I'm going to say it again. You have to you have to embrace or seize or take hold of the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of the opportunity because it does have an expiration date. And that bus may pull up again. And the door may open up again. Um, that opportunity may come around again, but you missed it in that moment. And so your timeline went a different direction. So I hope this was helpful for you. Uh, if you don't take anything out of this, chill out on yourself. You're not attracting all the negative crap to yourself. Chill out on your emotions. Give yourself permission to feel them. Give yourself permission to express them. Give yourself permission to talk about them. You're not putting something out in the universe that you're going to draw back to yourself. You're actually helping the universe by expressing those things and putting those things out there. When you want something to come into your life, ask yourself, is this an honest desire? Is this an authentic desire? Set some time and space to release, to perform the magic, to release and put it out there. Then let it go, relax, and from a place of trust and surrender, let it come to you. Don't try to make it happen. Let it happen. But when it does happen, 
seize the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of the opportunity. Thank you. I could have said that in five minutes, and you guys could have enjoyed the rest of your Sunday hour. <laughs> so thank you for staying with me for the full hour. I love you. Thank you all so much for watching this. Thank you for your comments. I'll go back and look at them. Um, i got to figure out how to shut this off. Um, anyway, namaste. God bless you. Be at peace. Light and joy and love go with you. Go with God. Vaya con Dios. And uh, we'll catch you next time.